Rate rises are over. The question today is not how many more rate rises will there be, it's how long will this rate last? At 4.1%, financial conditions are extremely tight. For property markets, we're going through a period of extremely tight financial conditions where borrowing capacities have fallen by over 30%. In this episode of Australian Property Talk, we're going to go through the three reasons why the RBA are well and truly in pause mode. That is, inflation is coming down, the Australian economy is slowing down, and there's global risks with the slowdown in China. For those that are keen and interested and like visuals, join us on YouTube, Australian Property Talk with Readem. You'll see lots of economic analysis there, borrowing power analysis, investor stories. Get on it. Support us there. We'd love your support. Curtis, how are you? Yeah, going really well. Good to be back. It's been um, a while since our last episode. So, yeah, it has been. Um, a lot's happened, so good to um, be with you to talk through it all. Yeah, has been, has been. Let's kick off. Um, you know, three reasons why the RBA have paused. I've summed it up as, you know, inflation is falling. The household sector and business sector of Australia are not performing really well, um, as expected, with interest rates going up so quickly. And the third reason I've got is China, uh, you know, as a little bit of a black hole where we don't know what's going on, but we know that they're slowing um, and that's a bit of a global concern and that can have ripple effects through to the Australian economy. So those are the three reasons I've got for pausing. Um, you know, can you unpack the inflation story? And Yeah, I think it's another interesting factor is, you know, we've got a new RBA governor too. So I think it's, yeah. it's kind of an, uh, obviously not necessarily planned that way, but a bit of a transition where she is now dealing with probably a very different environment to what um, Philip Lowe did. So um, the kind of rate rising cycle um, has ended kind of conveniently um, at the end of his tenure as well. And now she's faced with a kind of a different challenge to manage. So yep. like you say, the first thing is, you know, inflation, um, that's their primary target. Um, that's the primary, primary thing that they are tracking. Um, and the numbers are like showing that inflation's coming down. It's like not necessarily fully under control and in band yet, but it's coming down in line with the RBA's expectation and kind of train tracks that they have it on with when they want to get back in band. Um, so by that metric, um, mm -hmm. it looks like they're relatively on track. Um, I did see Michelle Bullock's um, first kind of lecture that she gave um, at ANU, I think a couple of weeks ago, and she still mentioned that they're probably thinking about whether more rises are necessary, yep. not necessary, not indicating that there's going to be an imminent rise, but that their thinking is, have they done enough or is a potential further rise needed? Um, that's kind of the balancing act where their thinking is at the moment and potentially, you know, the data is showing that more rises might not be needed. Um, they might have the settings right to get inflation down um, on the timeline that they, they plan to. Yep, I think that's a fair summary. So right now, um, after all these rate rises, it's way too early to call the end of the inflation the end of the inflation fight. So we still have inflation way too high, and uh, it's trending down, and that's really really positive. But we don't know if uh, there's going to be a level of stickiness in the full way down. So you know, it was above eight percent. Uh, at the end of last year, now it's below 5%. Looks like it'll trend closer to that 4% figure by the end of the year. Um, again, uh, all positive in terms of direction, but still too high, given we've got a 2 to 3% target, probably a midpoint target of 2.5% kicking in, I think, at some point next year, um, once that RBA review kicks in. So, you know, well and truly above uh, target range for now. So the inflation fight is uh, trending in the right direction, but not 
quite there yet. So while we're in this situation, it'll be way too early for the central bank to you know go out there and remove their tightening bias. So the bias they have, the communication that they have, that there's going to be rate um, you know cuts or anything like that uh, in the future. They're going to keep the pressure on by mentioning the fact that we may need more rate rises, but they've sort of softened their stance by you know pausing three months in a row. That's obviously the biggest signal when you choose yeah. to do anything for three months in a row. It's much more powerful than actually just saying that you plan on. Yeah. And I think inflation-wise, they're really identifying services inflation as the thing that they're anticipating or seeing the stickiness in yep. and anticipating that might be difficult to, to bring down. So I think that's... that's like if you want to get into the weeds, that's probably the data point to be tracking, yep. you know, over the upcoming data releases to see if there's any improvement on that. Yep. Um, if that shows signs that it's coming down as well, then, um, you know, I think that kind of further secures the fact that rates have, have peaked and further rises aren't necessary. That's true. That's true. Uh, we're entering July, August, September now. So I kind of expect the slowdown in inflation to stop. Uh for a quarter temporarily or two um that's partly because price rises kick in on one july um and you know electricity prices have gone up so much uh, i went to the petrol station today and, and filled up my car and i was like wow it's two dollars 20 again so um petrol prices have uh, shot back up um so there's a few uh underlying factors um the rent uh, component of cpi is now feeding through at that accelerating peak sort of pace um uh, Lead indicators are suggesting that rent inflation is now cooling back down, but um, in CPI, it's about six months behind or it takes a little bit of time to feed through. So, you know, we've got three of the biggest metrics of CPI rising at above this 5% benchmark at the moment. So um, I suspect that that could cause a temporary, uh, even potentially a rise in inflation temporarily. Um, and uh, there's other metrics for CPI that are released a bit quicker than the ABS. Um, so, you know, survey data, um, you know, I think one of the Melbourne unis do this and they're sort of suggesting that inflation uh, has had like a little turning point back up. Um, so that might feed through into the CPI trend that kicks in. Um, and if that does happen, there could be, you know, like I, I think rate rises are over, but, um, you know, the chance of one more is still sort of live, but, uh, you know, minimal at this stage. Um, so if all of that does happen and then the inflation tra trajectory stops going down, then maybe there's a little bit of room for one more rate rise. But by and large, most of the rate rises are So that's the inflation story. Um, do you mind going through the growth story in Australia um, and how the Australian economy is slowing down? Um, so the RBF, two, two factors here, inflation coming down and the, uh, the economy actually slowing too. Yeah. So I think, you know, we've seen I think we spoke about this last time, there's a bit of a per capita recession that's going on. Um, so we've seen that um, come through the data. Uh, the economic growth figures were slightly, I think they got released last week, they were slightly better than expected, um, but they are still showing that growth you know, is slowing um, to a pretty slow, you know, near zero growth on an annualized basis um, pace. Um, so that's that's kind of where we're tracking. Um, and on a per capita basis, you know, kind of going backwards, um, if you put it on in a per capita a bit, sense. Yeah, sure. We're in a per capita recession. Yeah. And that came out on Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. I remember that was the first thing I saw being like, we moved backwards 0.4% per, per quarter or 0.3% per quarter uh, per person in Australia. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the absence of population growth, we are in a recession in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even with population growth, you know, the economic growth numbers are kind of, they're pretty, pretty low. Um, they're not quite negative yet in, you know, in total, but 
they're they're pretty low. So that's something that the RBA you know will be tracking. Um, I think it's probably less on their priority list is probably slightly behind inflation. Um, but nevertheless, um, it is something that they track pretty closely. You know, they're not trying to send us into a, you know, recession. Um, it's not their goal. Um, you know, we, Philip Lowe always talks about that narrow path that they walk. Um, that's kind of, you know, getting inflation back under control and maintaining positive growth. Yep. So yeah, you just touched on that. The benchmark has been set for what narrow path is. Um, they defined it uh, a couple statements ago. No one picked this up, but they clearly defined it where it's, where they specifically said, keep the Australian economy growing. Um, so that was the definition that they set. Because um, if you actually look at the economy now, the scorecards, pr- like in, if you take a historical context to it, ignore the little COVID period and look at it over like, since the GFC, a 15-year period, the scorecard's horrible. It's really, really bad. I haven't seen a scorecard this bad over that 15-year period, excluding the little COVID period, where GDP per capita is moving backwards. Um, <laughs> we're moving backwards per person. The currency has fallen 10% this year, which is a huge boost to GDP figures where you know you devalue our, a dollar mm. by that level in such a short time period. You know, the GDP numbers are completely propped up by our terms of trade and external sector, you know, on fire because we have produced, you know, we're selling our stuff so much cheaper than we were previously. Um, so we're devaluing our currency as like little workaround automatic adjustment yeah exactly yeah so um you know there's a a, like clear we're making ourselves poorer um that's just how i see it we're producing less per person we're bringing more people uh real living standards are falling inflation's higher than real wages uh unemployment is now rising sure off a wonderful base this is just in all like definitions in terms of which way we're trending it's the recessionary type characteristics that you have um you might not have it officially defined you do per person in australia now but the the characteristics of where we're going are pretty poor but at the same time the benchmarks that we're setting for this year are there's a very real acknowledgement being like look interest rates are 4.1 percent we've got an inflation problem we need to beat this inflation problem this narrow path is a soft landing. And when we're saying a soft landing, I'm not saying to, you know, the RBA is not going to Australia and being like, look, it's just going to be 2 to 3% growth, the, the standard playbook. It's going to be a little bit tougher this year. We're just going to have to ride through it. That's the pill that we have to swallow. I'm going to try and keep, you know, lows out there and bullocks out there. And they're saying, we try and keep the economy growing through this, but it's still going to be a painful adjustment. And we're going through that painful adjustment. Now that data is in, um, this scorecard released for Australia was ugly. Like, that's the only way to describe it. Um, it's just the benchmark and standards that we have are really, really ugly. Yeah, I, I think that's not entirely unexpected, though. Like, they, this is really the, the result of the last, you know, 12 months of tightening. Yeah. Um, so that in some senses, it's, yeah, not unexpected. It's just starting to flow through to the, like you're saying, it's recessionary type conditions, yeah. um, which is kind of what you would expect in a pretty severe tightening cycle now that, you know, it's actually flowing flowing through um, to, you know, all parts of the economy. Yeah. Um, like you're saying, there's basically per capita recession, you know, unemployment's starting to tick up a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, households, um, you know, the household sector in particular, you know, is feeling the brunt of it. So yeah. that, those are the type of conditions you would expect to come through. So, yeah, um, yeah not fun, but like, um, yeah. like say, but um, yeah, it's the kind of the reality of, of the situation. Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of good because the RBA have been increasing interest rates with the view to slow down the economy. They needed to slow down the economy. And it's absolutely crystal clear right now. Rising interest rates are working to slow down the Australian economy. The Australian household sector 
is spending less than they were previously. Um, you know, total spending uh, is pretty much the same, um, but our population has risen quite uh, strongly over the past year. Um, and discretionary expenditures. So, you know, when you're not spending money on rent and uh, fuel and electricity, you know, on the things that you are choosing to spend your money on, not the things that you must spend your money on, that's going backwards in aggregate, including the population mm. growth. So, um, and at pace too, negative 0.5% this quarter, that's negative 2% of the year um, in discretionary spending. So the household sector, which makes up 60% of GDP, is in uh, is feeling it. And the RBA have explicitly said over the last 12 months in almost every single statement, I am closely watching the household sector and seeing how it performs. We are under stress. That's absolutely clear in the data. The data is showing that its households are responding and slowing down. And we still have, you know, about 75% of the total rate adjustment that's actually fed through to mortgages. There's another 25% coming, and that's largely the fixed rate rollovers that are going to occur uh, over time. That's the household sector. And then there's the business sector, which was uh, horrible in terms of this report card. Um, inventories in Australia, uh, so this is how much businesses sell. And one way you measure that is um, you effectively just see how much they've sold and how much stock that they have on hand um, and how it's turning over. Um, that was a negative 1.1% print in this quarter. Um, so that suggests that the business sector and the household sector, which makes up the majority of Australian GDP, is performing really badly. Um, but you flip that around and you look at, hey, how did we have a positive scorecard this, uh, this for this June quarter, which is absolutely super important because if we had a negative quarter this quarter around, then that recession talk would be, you know, drumming so loud right now. But we had a positive quarter and it all comes back down to our dollar was 72 cents yeah. in June, uh, in January, and now it's 63 cents and falling. Yeah. And that just creates uh, just a, a turbo boost and it's hard to unpack for the Australian economy, and you see it in the GDP components. You see the external sector, which is generally a drag in Australia, just a big positive. So um, that's driving the performance here. And it's like an adjustment in the Australian economy that's happening at the moment. Households, businesses struggling, external sector, and non-interest rate sensitive sectors performing well. Yeah, which with a floating dollar, is that's kind of the way it's set up, is that there is a natural adjustment there. Um, so yeah, not necessarily unexpected, but also something that it it's clear it's a little bit too speed if that makes sense so the like you say the domestic factors so you know business and you know households um are quite clearly moving backwards or slowing yep. um and then the external sector kind of propping it up and getting it just getting the gdp numbers over the line to be yeah. to be positive to be honest that that automatic stabilizes it Theoretically, we think of it, hey, it's doing what it's supposed to, but it's actually working the wrong way around. Um, the automatic stabilizers at the moment, when you raise interest rates and you try and slow down the economy, you're supposed, like, theoretically, you're supposed to have the exchange rate appreciate and that help you bring down inflation. But we live in a global world and the RBA, this, it's this is, relative, yeah. This is controversial, but the RBA are protecting mortgage holders in Australia. They are protecting the housing market too. They have kept an interest rate differential for one of the first times in recent history with Australia and the developed world. We have a large interest rate differential, over a percentage point between Australia and the US, and that is driving our currency down, and it's causing us, Australia, to import inflation, and it's causing us to import faster economic growth, which is just showed in this report card, which is contrary to the actual semi-goals of the RBA at the moment, where it's to bring down inflation and slow the economy down. 
So they're actually spreading the pain around. They're choosing specifically to be like, hey, look, we have a housing market in Australia. We have a really indebted household sector. Let's not make them feel the complete pain of this because if we dial up interest rates to match the US and you know keep the historical interest rate differential, which will probably bring our currency up to 75, 80 cents, which is where it historically is, if we did that, we need interest rate settings at 6% now. And if we did that, the housing market could potentially collapse. The household sector could collapse even further. We'd probably bring a recession here. Obviously, we'd get inflation back down. But given the global context, what the RBA is doing and saying, you know what, we'll let mortgage holders feel less pain and uh, will actually let inflation drag for longer in Australia and have a two-year t- time frame and import inflation from the rest of the world to, to Australia via a lower currency, um, which is a really strange setup where we say it because no one in the media is saying that the RBA are protecting mortgage holders, but that's the reality of the economic mix at the moment. The RBA are 100% protecting mortgage holders and homeowners and the housing system at the moment by keeping interest rates at 4.1%, which is a little bit wild to think, but mm. we live in a global world and you know they, don't, they act not in complete isolation. They have to take into account what their decisions do in a global context. So um, that's a little bit of my controversial view looking at all this data that, hey, RBA protecting us. Thank you, RBA. <laughs> Yeah, and I think like the mortgage markets are different all around the world too. So I think the RBA have, you know, a bit more of an obligation than potentially other central banks to really protect Australian mortgage holders. Um, you know, where unlike the US, where, you know, almost all a lot more a lot higher percentage on variable rates. Yep. Um yeah, so I think that the market dynamics are different and they they probably understand that here um it's a lot if they tank the mortgage market, yeah. um, it has a lot bigger consequence potentially in the Australian economy than it does some, you know, like the US other um, comparisons. So yep. that might be leading them to that decision where they're like, okay, we can afford a bit of a rate differential or might necessitate a bit of a rate differential because we have a different set of dynamics that we need to protect the mortgage sector a little bit more yep. than other you know, similar economies yeah. um, where the decision-making framework might be a bit different. That's true. The reason why I mention this is I actually think if there's another rate rise, there's, I, I think it's on the agenda. If the Australian dollar continues to fall and it's been on a, a slippery slope that hasn't recovered, if it continues to fall, the RBA may be forced to be like, hey, look, we're just stuck here. We can't be put, put in a position where we're importing everything that we buy from overseas is 15% more expensive versus six months ago during a period where we're trying to bring inflation down. We buy a lot of stuff from overseas and we're just importing, you know, 15% more. That's too much. Like at some point they may go, they may just be forced to be like, hey, look, we can't afford a 60%, a 60 cents currency at the moment. It's a big problem for Australia. We, this interest rate differential just can't exist here. And it's a story that may be brewing. It hasn't really happened yet, but it may brew over time. And the, the thing that will trigger is inflation data and you know, the math is pretty simple there. You spend 15% more on goods and services from overseas. Inflation should probably be stickier here than the rest of the world. And yeah. it should potentially increase a little bit uh, versus other countries. Um, and we have a comparator because New Zealand's not doing this. New Zealand's like, no, nope, we're going to follow lockstep with other countries. We're not going to have this interest rate differential. So, you know, they'll import less inflation than thought, but the housing sector will experience pain in the industry. Um, yeah, it's just a really interesting economic dynamic that we're in at the moment from the RBA and the global world that we're in um, and, and the choices that 
are being made here. Um, and a really cool thing in this um, GDP print, I really like the GDP report card because there's so much detail in there. Um, you, there's a state-by-state -state analysis here as well. Like um, you see interest-sensitive sector states struggling, New South Wales, um, I don't know what Tasmania do, but Tasmania's really struggling. Darwin's struggling. But you're seeing Queensland growth figures just screwed yeah. up. Um, I don't know what Queensland's doing, but Queensland growth figures are shooting up. Um, WA growth figures are pretty good. Um, WA employment figures are pretty good. Queensland employment figures are poor, but their growth is good. So perhaps their employment will improve over the next six months. So you're starting to see what the mix of the Australian economy occur. Uh, Interest-sensitive states doing worse as you'd expect, and the non-interest-sensitive um, states doing a little bit better, but at the same time, low exchange rate is, is hurting those sta those states as well because, uh, you know, they sell the, the Queensland WA sell a lot of our exports, and they're getting less money for it now. So yeah, um, you know, there's a, a little bit of a mix happening at the moment, uh, which is really really interesting. So yeah, so onto another, I guess, external factor, um, China. You know, there's been, for anyone that's been following the economic news there, like they've been struggling. Um, so what are your thoughts on that and how that impacts um, where our economic data is heading? Yeah. Uh, so this is probably part of the reason why our dollar is so low um, and potentially falling. Uh, so um, I don't know what's going on with China, but I do know that it does have a risk for the Australian economy. And the RBA are clearly concerned by it because they noted China specifically in this statement. So. Uh, I don't know what it means or what they're going to do, but it's something to be aware of because it's a potential drag on economic growth here um, and, and could have consequences in Australia. So um, I know at Treasury and RBA that they've got teams that specifically monitor China because it's such an impact on Australia. Um, and yeah, that seems to be a concern. Um, do you have any insight on it? Uh, no grand insights, but uh, a little bit like you say, the you know, they're our number one trading partner, basically. So uh, if there's a large fall in demand from China, you know, obviously mm. for our resources, um, but if there's a big fall in demand and they're essentially heading to a bit of a recession, um, whether or not they report a recession or not, their data metrics aren't necessarily the most bulletproof. Um, but if they're heading into a recession, that, you know, has a big impact on us um, as our number one, you know, trading partner. So that's, I think, where the RBA uh, thinking or, you know, potentially a little bit concerned um, is coming from that perspective. Okay. So now that we've covered uh, why the RBA paused um, and we gently touched on this in the economic scorecard data that came out, what do you think is going to happen to the housing markets state by state, um, particularly Sydney, Melbourne, Queensland, WA, um, over the next six months um, while we're transitioning as an economy from you know, higher rates, lower exchange rate. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts there? Is it a little bit like that 2000s period where Sydney didn't perform uh, all that well and um, WA performed really well? You know, do you think it's going to be similar at the moment? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, like you kind of mentioned, with the GDP data, we can start to see some differences in state-by-state -state performance. I think it probably is a little bit different to the 2000s, kind of like the mining boom times. It's not necessarily a mining boom at the moment. Um, you know, we have a low dollar now versus a high dollar then. Um, but I think there are some like the heavily, the states like perhaps, you know, New South Wales and Victoria, maybe that are more, I would say, consumption-based. Um, mm -hmm. Their state economies might be a little bit more consumption-based. Um, my expectation is they might have a little bit of a softer performance over the next, you know, 6, 12, 18 months yep. um, than states, for example, like you mentioned, um, Western Australia or Perth and Brisbane. Um, 
that's that's probably how I would describe it. But I don't think the circumstances are necessarily like a mining boom time. Um, that was, you know, mm. there, there was a I'd say a bit more of a separation in circumstances there than there is now. Yep. Um, but yeah, the more as an economy is driven by consumption, then I think the softer, you know, you can expect the economy to run and therefore the housing sector, demand for housing to basically run over the next little period because um, while we kind of mentioned the a few different things on the economic scorecard that are looking soft, while there's this inflation or monetary tightening stance going on, it is the household sector that is going to feel it the most. So yep. the economies or the state-by-state state economies that are most driven by household consumption um, are going to, I would expect, feel it the most and therefore have the softer kind of growth numbers. That's my yeah. rough prediction, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I, I think some of this, I think that's like a fair summary. It's hard to just equate this period with a previous period. Conditions are different um, here at the moment. Um, so, and there's no mining boom, um, at least that I know of. So uh, that is probably a, a big difference, a massive difference between then and now. Um, but I think uh, we're going to have the Sydney spillover. So Sydney is up 8%, 9% this year. Uh, that's a lot. Um, it's uh, risen quite dramatically um, unexpectedly. Um, I wouldn't say quite dramatically, actually. That's probably a bit unfair for history. But it's risen unexpectedly and to a material amount. Um, and it's probably towards the tail end of this mini cycle, uh, yep. mini recovery cycle. Um, and I put this recovery cycle down to it probably overcorrected with that 15% drop. Um, and it's just sort of caught up most of it back. Um, and there's probably a 5% adjustment that's actually occurred. Um, a little bit of fear and panic um, with rate rises driving it to drive a little bit lower. But then fundamentals, you know, lack of supply, strong population growth, a lot of migration, um, that combination has just meant that the total adjustment, 5%, is probably the right level. But I think what you have sometimes is the spillover. The Sydney spillover is about to happen. And I do think Queensland will do better and probably overtake, Brisbane specifically, will overtake Sydney as the fastest growing capital in coming months. But I'm not sure on that because employment data that came out, um, so they had two really contrary types of information. Um, unemployment shot up from like 3.7% to 4.5% in one month yep. in Queensland. But at the same time, the GDP figures came out and Queensland like way out there versus everyone else and is growing at like 5% annualized. So those two don't go hand in hand. So, um, you know, we probably need more months of employment data and see how Queensland unemployment works um, to actually work that out. But I do think the just standard Sydney spillover will occur. Um, affordability will drive population and uh, money to Queensland versus Sydney. Um, so I think Queensland will become the number one capital over the next few months and WA will be close behind um, hmm. and might even overtake Queensland a bit later on. So I think there's just going to be a little bit of a, a, a mix that typically happens. Sydney leads the charge for uh, housing recovery and other cities then follow and have bigger recoveries, but Sydney just leads it and starts it. I think we might be at that phase. But yeah, that's my little takeout and it's completely guessed. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah, track it over time. Um, yeah, see how it goes. I'm sure we'll do more pods on it. Um, awesome. Let's wrap it up here. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening um, to Australian Property Talk. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel out now where I've got all these awesome videos about borrowing power, how the economy's performing, um, you know, well as edited. It's fun. Um, join me there, um, Australian Property Talk with Freedom, I believe. Um, uh, on YouTube. Look for it. Find us. Um, we'd love your support there as well. Um, yeah, we'll catch you next week.